Welcome to Come Follow Me with Bree, episode 17, author and finisher. Well, this week is only two and a half pages, which (laughs) is my kind of week because I always struggle covering long stretches of chapter because there is always so much I could focus on. So with just two and a half pages, it makes my job easier. Now, Moroni is the last of his people. And as I read it, I really feel for him. And I'm also just amazed and, and inspired by him. Listen to him here in chapter one. Now I, Moroni, after having made an end of the abridging of the account of the people of Jared, I had supposed not to have written more, but I have not as yet perished, and make myself not known unto the Lamanites, lest they should destroy me. For behold, their wars are exceedingly fierce among themselves, and because of their hatred they put to death every Nephite that will not deny the Christ. And I, Moroni, will not deny the Christ. Wherefore I wander whithersoever I can for the safety of mine own life." I, Moroni, will not deny the Christ. Have you ever wondered what you would do if the life of your family or your life were threatened? I know that I have. You can't help as you listen to these prophets and saying that they will give up everything to not deny the Christ or for their testimony. So I think it's only natural that we wonder, what would we do? And I love his conviction here. I think that sometimes we're hesitant to say something so absolute, like it needs qualification, like it needs some sort of uh, humility clause in there. And I think I'm more apt to say something like, I mean, I don't think I would deny the Christ, but I'm not in that situation and I can hardly imagine what that would feel like. So I, I think I would, but I'm not totally sure. But then we have prophets in the Book of Mormon that say, like Moroni, I will not deny the Christ. And I think that we, when we understand the Savior for who he truly is and what he really can do for our faith and our conviction, I think that we can have the same surety of mind and heart as they did. So I think we can and should as we as we get there as we grow be willing to say things with stronger commitment. You know how in um, youth meetings they talk about the law of chastity or drinking alcohol and they tell you to firmly decide beforehand that you will not disobey these commandments? And then when the time comes, you've already decided and it makes it so much easier, if not easy, to resist that temptation. And I think the same can apply when we think about something like this. So I challenge you to cement that decision in your mind. I think I'm still working on it as far as just not wanting to qualify it or not wanting to make some sort of, um, I don't know what I want to call it, I guess still qualification that I don't actually know because I'm not there in that situation. But I want to be like how we encourage the youth to be, where, where I want to decide beforehand what I would do. And I hope it's a decision that I or you will never have to make. But in my mind, for myself, it's an important one to feel firm about. Would I ever deny the Christ? So as I thought about this this week and really pondered how I would react and how I want to react, how I want to pre-decide 
to react, even though hopefully this will never happen in my life. I, I really hope not. And as I pondered it, as I pondered who Christ really is and what he can do for me, I can tell you now without qualification, I will be like Moroni. I will not deny the Christ. But as I pondered this, I came to the conclusion that something like that can only come if you are doing what we have been talking about. Is he your rock? Is he your foundation? A foundation whereon if you build, you cannot fall. The reason Moroni can say this unequivocally, the reason that any of us can say this, if heaven forbid this should ever happen to any of us, is because if we are relying on him, he will make up for our human weakness. His grace will make that righteous intention whole and possible. And I believe when coupled with that, we will hold strong to that promise, no matter the stakes. So Moroni continues, Wherefore I write a few more things contrary to that which I had supposed, for I had supposed not to have written any more, but I write a few more things that perhaps they may be of worth unto my brethren the Lamanites in some future day according to the will of the Lord. So basically he's saying, I'm not dead yet, so I'll write a few more things hoping that they will be of worth. And think about what he has just witnessed the total destruction of his family and his people by the Lamanites. And we can still hear the pure love of Christ for them in his voice. What a beautiful example. So over the next few chapters, he details some of our most important ordinances, like the sacrament. And as I read these, I thought, what do I find right now that stands out to me that is of worth to me? Other than all of it. (laughs) In chapter 6, he describes how members are judged to be worthy of baptism, and he says in verse 4, And after they had been received unto baptism, they were wrought upon and cleansed by the power of the Holy Ghost. They were numbered among the people of the Church of Christ, and their names were taken up, that they might be remembered and nourished by the good word of God, to keep them in the right way, to keep them continually watchful unto prayer, relying alone on the merits of Christ, who was the author and finisher of their faith. Okay, so it says their names were taken that they might be remembered and nourished by the good word of God to keep them in the right way, to keep them continually watchful unto prayer. The organization of the church then and now is so beautiful. We keep detailed records so that no one is forgotten. And the Savior says in 3 Nephi chapter 18, verse 31, Behold, I know my sheep, and they are numbered. Not only do we keep track of everyone on record, but the Savior has a much more detailed awareness of each and every one of us. We are numbered. He knows us, and none of us are forgotten. We have an incredible ministering program to help make it possible so that we can aid him here on earth. Sister Jean B. Bingham said in her talk that was called Ministering as the Savior Does, After all is said and done, true ministering is accomplished one by one with love as the motivation. The value and merit of and wonder of sincere ministering is that it truly changes lives. When our hearts are open and willing to love and include, encourage and comfort, the power of our ministering will be irresistible. 
With love as the motivation, miracles will happen. We will find a way to bring out our missing sisters and brothers into the all-inclusive embrace of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The Savior is our example in everything, not only in what we should do, but why we should do it. His life here on earth was an invitation to us to raise our sights a little higher, to forget our own problems, and to reach out to others. As we accept the opportunity to wholeheartedly minister to our sisters and brothers, we are blessed to become more spiritually refined, more in tune with the will of God, and more able to understand His plans to help each one return to Him. We will more readily recognize His blessings and be eager to extend those blessings to others. Our hearts will sing in unison with our voices. Savior, may I love my brother, as I know Thou lovest me. Find in thee my strength, my beacon, for thy servant I would be. Savior, may I love my brother, Lord, I would follow thee. May we show our gratitude and love for God by ministering with love to our eternal sisters and brothers. The result will be a unity of feeling such as the people in ancient America enjoyed a hundred years after the Savior's appearance in their land. And it came to pass that there was no contention because of the love of God which should dwell in the hearts of the people. There were no envyings nor strifes, and surely there could not be a happier people among all the people who had been created by the hand of God. I gladly bear my personal witness that these revelatory changes are inspired of God, and that as we embrace them with willing hearts, we will become better prepared to meet His Son, Jesus Christ, at His coming. We will be closer to becoming a Zion people and will feel surpassing joy with those whom we have helped along the path of discipleship. That we do so is my fervent and humble prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Just as she testifies here, ministering is a revelation and a direction from our Heavenly Father. I know that I can do better. I know that I have been doing better, but I know I can do even better at making sure that I'm fulfilling that calling. Okay, so the end of that beautiful verse says, relying alone upon the merits of Christ, who is the author and finisher of their faith. I looked up the definition of merits, and there are a few, but this is what I think fits the best. A fact or feature that deserves praise or reward. Is it our merit that deserves praise or reward? No, it says the merits of Christ that deserves praise or reward that he then applies to us. The key word in this first part to me is alone. We know that only through him we can obtain eternal life. In Alma 38 verse 9, Alma says, And now, my son, I have told you that ye may learn wisdom, that ye may learn of me that there is no other way or means whereby man can be saved, only in and through Christ. Behold, he is the life and the light of the world. Behold, he is the word of truth and righteousness. It is only through him that we can accomplish all that we were meant to in this life. It is only through him that our weaknesses can be turned to strength. It is only through him that our efforts can be made whole. We need to turn over our will to him and rely on him alone And only then will we be able to be and do all that we were meant to. Only then will we feel complete and whole. One of my favorite songs lately 
is We Must Sing by Rob Gardner. And do yourself a favor and listen to it with headphones full blast. It's incredible. One of the lines is so poignant and touches my heart every single time I hear it. It says, God made our hearts and in his absence they ache. When we are separated from God and our Savior, our hearts feel it. We were meant to come here and rely on him alone, not on ourselves, not on our spouses, not on our children, not on the world, not on our money. We were sent here to learn to rely on him alone. And when we don't, when we choose to not let God prevail, when our heart's treasure is elsewhere, we feel it in our hearts. There is an emptiness there that can only be filled by him, nothing else. Lastly, let's talk about this perfect title that Moroni gives to the Lord, the author and finisher of our faith. How is he the author? In this context, I consider that to mean that he's the creator of our faith. And what is faith? It is the hope for things that are not seen but are true. And where does that hope come from? We learned from Ether last week that hope comes from faith. It's a perfect cycle that feeds on itself. Hope comes from faith and faith is hope. He is the creator of our faith and our hope. We were all given the light of Christ, powerful light, the source of which is literally Jesus Christ, an ability to recognize goodness and truth. And that ability plants a seed of faith in us, a seed that we recognize as hope that all of this is true. And as we nourish that hope, as we rely on the hope of him, the light of Christ grows stronger within us. And all of that continued growth you see in your testimony, it all started with him. And it started because you were given the very real and powerful gift of the light of Christ. And it is powerful because he exists. He lives. And his purpose is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life of man to bring to pass your immortality and your eternal life. He is not only the author, he is the finisher. He completes your faith. The sweet father in Mark 9, 24 is such a perfect example of this. I think of him all the time, begging the Savior with tears in his eyes as he asked the Savior to heal his child. And the Savior asked him if he believes, and the man says, Lord, I believe. Help thou mine unbelief. When we humble ourselves and do what we can do, he will help our unbelief. He will be the finisher of our faith. He will make up for all that we lack, and through him we will be whole. And since it's December, we'll tie this into Christmas. He is the Savior, even to his own mother. He is the author and finisher of her faith. And with that, I'm going to read the words of that well-known Christmas song, Mary, Did You Know? And I think sometimes this song gets overlooked because it's kind of a, a classic that we've heard so many times that it's almost like we're a little tired of it. But every time I hear it, it I just, I think of those, these questions and how she must have felt and what that must have been like and what it must be like now 
for her to look back on her life and look back on what happened in her life and think about these questions in reality. And it's just incredible to think of the perspective that she must have. Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would save our sons and daughters? Did you know that your baby boy has come to make you new? This child that you've delivered will soon deliver you. Mary, did you know that your baby boy will give sight to a blind man? Mary, did you know that your baby boy will calm the storm with his hand? Did you know that your baby boy has walked where angels trod? When you kiss your little baby, you kiss the face of God. Mary, did you know? The blind will see, the deaf will hear, the dead will live again. The lame will leap, the dumb will speak the praises of the Lamb. Mary, did you know that your baby boy is the Lord of all creation? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day rule the nations? Mary, did you know that your baby boy is heaven's perfect lamb? That the sleeping child you're holding is the great I am? Mary, did you know? I always wonder, every single Christmas, what was I doing the night that he was born? And I... I hope that I was singing because I can't think of any better expression of joy. He is everything. He is my savior. He is the author and the finisher of my faith. And I'm so grateful for that mercy and that reality. I am so grateful for this plan that encompasses all of us, every single one. And I say these things in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Thanks for listening this week. If you felt the spirit, if you feel prompted, I would love it if you would share it with your family or your friends, the sisters you minister to or the brothers you minister to. I do this because I feel prompted to do it. I feel as though the Lord has commanded me to do it. And my only motivation is to help him in bringing people to him into and gathering Israel. And sometimes I, I worry, um, that some, that whenever I'm promoting it online, that it's coming off as, as self-promotion, but sincerely, all I want is to reach whoever he wants me to reach and to help whoever is listening. So thanks again, and I'll talk to you next week. 